Hey, podcast listeners. Thanks for joining us for the All Saints Lutheran Sermon Series of Podcasts. We're so delighted that you've landed on this page, and we ask that you contextualize yourself by reading the descriptor. Enjoy, and let us know what you think. Saints and siblings in Christ, good morning. How are we all doing today? Yeah? That's good. I'm glad to hear that. Can you all do something for me? Can you just take a deep breath in and out? We breathe. As I was considering these texts and this day and the moment that we are in this past week, thinking about what I was going to preach on today, I found myself coming up with absolutely nothing. Which, for some of you, is a shocking thing, because many of you are aware that it's a pretty rare occasion that I can't find at least a couple things to add to any random conversation and insert, because why not, you know? That is until this past Thursday, when Pastor Professor Rebecca Thurman gave me a gift of a hat. Isn't it delightful? An academic's hat a master's hat, a doctoral hat, a top hat, regardless, a truly delightful hat. (laughs) I was so excited about the hat. I've actually never tried it on, uh, and I've never looked in the mirror with it on, so I have no idea what I look like right now, but I assume distinguished, mostly, is what comes to mind. Uh, And it occurred to me, saints of God, let's talk today about the Holy Spirit. Who is she? What is she up to? And why the heck she keeps sneaking up on us in weird and random and unfortunate and delightful and absolutely terrifying ways? So, because this is going to be a distraction to me and to you, we'll just put that there. And so, dear saints, let us turn together to the Holy Gospel according to St. John. We have before us today a familiar text. This story of Thomas is one that comes up literally every year on the Sunday after Easter. Literally every single year, this is the text that we get on this day. And we often get tied up in the story of Thomas being the disciple who doubts. Doubting Thomas. Oh, woe is he. Poor Thomas. If only he had just believed. Now, never mind the fact that all of the other disciples had already seen Jesus, and he was only asking for literally the exact same thing and the exact same opportunity for reassurance that everybody else had already gotten. Never mind that. That's beside the point, and I digress. But I believe that Thomas gets a really bad rap in this text. And I really want to talk to you about that today. But I told you, that we're talking about the Holy Spirit today, right? So we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit for a bit, and then we'll get back to Thomas later. Today's gospel features Jesus appearing before the disciples in a locked room and proclaiming to this rather startled crew of disciples, peace be with you. And then he breathes on them. The Holy Spirit. Now, friends, let me pause here and say that this text strikes a slightly different chord 
in a post-ish COVID world. Right? Jesus breathes on them? Seriously? Like, I know he's Jesus, but six feet, dude. Like, where's your mask? Have you gotten your booster? Are we all... I think those are fair and valid questions. But in this pre-COVID time, when Jesus breathes on the Holy Spirit onto his disciples, we can observe together some things about this Holy Spirit. Holy, from the Greek hagion, and spirit, from the Greek pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-E-M-A, pneuma, as in pneumonia, right? As in dealing with breath and wind and spirit. But before Jesus tells those disciples in the locked room to receive the Holy Spirit, Scripture tells us that Jesus breathed on them, which is a decent translation, but let me tell you that the word more precisely means that he puffed into them. Which is a more purposeful act than just breathing. Breathing we just do, right? We just do it. Puffing, you got to think about. Because this word for puffing is the same word that we use for like puffing on a fire, right? Like on a fire to stir it to life. And it's also the word for the gasp of a resuscitation, the sure sign of life returning to the body. And that means that in this scene, Jesus, who has just now been raised from death, can share the breath that brought him again to life. And now he has shared that breath with his followers. But at this moment in both history and story, we notice the simple physical act of puffing, of breathing, of stirring to life people who will then be charged to share this life with all of creation. We've heard this story before in Genesis, way back in the beginning, when God blows that wind breath spirit into the nose of Ha-Adam, a first breath that kicks everything into life and establishes the divine origin of every breath that is to follow, every breath, friends, then is a divine breath. Every breath is a gift of life that conveys the responsibility of sharing that life. That is the purpose of each and every one of our breaths. Life is given, life is shared, life is given Again, In the scene in John's Gospel, when we see the gift of resurrected life being shared in the same way, we can find in this passage a reminder that the breath of God, the Holy Spirit, changes everything. Now, saints of God, there was a time during our time together when breath was dangerous when masks were worn, when distance was kept. In many ways, we are not out of the woods yet. But friends, the reality is that the breath of God has always been dangerous. It rattles dry bones. It breaks open tombs. 
It pours out of the mouths of prophets in words of threat and words of love. It promises mercy and it proclaims judgment. It sits fiery above the heads of the faithful friends. The breath of God, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is dangerous and powerful and amazing. And it moved through the disciples on that first Easter night. And Thomas wasn't there. Thomas wasn't there to see Christ and to feel the breath and to experience the moment of the coming of the Holy Spirit in that room. And neither were we. And that's a powerful reality. Because it's easy, even fair, to say that since we didn't see it, it can't have happened. It is easy to assume with our friend Thomas that some things are just impossible. Right? Some things are hard to believe. Because you know, friends, it's hard to believe that a global pandemic might strike the world and force us to worship online. Who had that on their bingo cards? Not me. (laughs) It's hard to believe that we might continue, though, to gather as God's people in new and vibrant ways in an online community, thriving so much that we just welcome 40 new members to our midst post-pandemic. It's hard to believe that a group of super white, let's just look at ourselves, right? Midwesterners, might have so much concern about and love for the stranger and alien in our land that we form a task force, write letters to school boards and inmates in ICE detention, and protest so effectively and enthusiastically that a county sheriff finds the need to send your pastor a letter condemning y'all's actions (laughs) and demanding an end to your work. Which was literally just demanding justice. It's hard to believe, friends, that a church, a Christian church, might say, hey, queer folk, you're welcome here. And you know what? You're wanted here. And you know what? Come and be our pastor and our intern. And come and sit on our councils and committees and have a voice at the table because we don't give a rat's behind what your sexuality is. You are a beloved child of God, saint and sinner, faithful walker of the walk of faith, and we want you here. It's hard to believe that a church could do an entire online children's Christmas pageant using only star costumes. (laughs) It's hard to believe that a church could have a thriving, beautiful relationship with another congregation literally on the other side of the world. It's hard to believe that a group made up of an organ, a French horn, acoustic and electric guitars, a trumpet, fiddle, violin, piano, drums, bells, tambourine, cello, upright bass, and a recorder could possibly make the most beautiful music in the world. Good work. It's hard to believe that a place might open its doors to absolutely anyone who might show up in the dead of winter when it's cold outside looking for a warm, safe place to sleep. It's hard to believe that a church might have a dog as a theologian in residence. (laughs) 
It's hard to believe that a congregation might say, you know what, let's take up an entire chunk of our space for kids and families so that they know that they are wanted and welcome here, no matter how much extra noise they make on a Sunday morning. It's hard to believe, friends, that a place might exist. But here I am, looking at it with my own two eyes. My Lord and my God, it is right here. I cannot believe (laughs) all of the things that we have done. I cannot believe all the grace that you have shown. I cannot believe, my dear friends, all of the ways that you show up, do good, and be kind, that you walk the walk of faith every single day. I cannot believe it. (laughs) But here you are, and here you will be. No matter, no matter who sits in that office over there, here you are, and here you will be. Because you are a people who know and trust that God has called you and that the Holy Spirit is blowing, puffing into this place in beautiful and amazing ways that is alive here. And so for you, dear friends, dear saints and siblings in Christ, for you, I say, thanks be to God. Amen.